is the Internet Report, where we uncover what's working and what's breaking on the Internet and why. We had a big week last week. Uh, there were multiple outages. We had Slack, we had Zoom. I think we even had AWS EUS2 had some issues. I think Verizon had some issues, but we're not gonna talk about any of that. Today, we're really just gonna focus on a what everyone's talking about, it seems, which is this really significant global network outage um, that happened in CenturyLink's network, and that also included Level 3, which is a major transit provider and is operated and owned by CenturyLink. Uh, so that's, that's what we're going to go deep on today. Um, before we do that and go under the hood, um, let's maybe just kind of take a look at the very basic root cause analysis that CenturyLink has put out around this incident. Hopefully more data or, or information will emerge, but what they put out was kind of interesting and also aligns with what we saw um, in our own uh, uh, kind of, um, you know, from the standpoint of, of our vantage points. Right, right. And, and just to quantify this outage a little bit, um, right, it, I mean, obviously it, it had like a massive impact because it was CenturyLink and Level 3 and, and they are, a, you know, really big transit provider. Um, but also uh, how long this outage lasted. Um, it started around 6 a.m. Eastern and was almost lasted for about five hours um, as it's seen from their RCA statement as well. Which is pretty stunning in terms of a length of an outage. And, and we'll talk a little bit about why it took so long for them to remediate this issue. Um, just in terms, again, on the scope, I think that some folks had thrown out something like three and a half percent of of internet traffic uh, was impacted, some something along those lines. I mean, just to give a sense again of kind of the the um, the scope of the damage. I mean, they are a tier. I mean, they're tier one, and they peer with very large providers, and also they're used by pretty much every service that you can imagine, from Google to Cloudflare. Again, these are you know highly traffic destinations. Um, lots of enterprises use them, and then even we do, um, you know, which which we'll talk about a little bit as well. Right. And, and, and again, from the perspective of like, you know, them, a lot of services use them as their direct upstream provider, um, but they're also um, such a big transit provider, like access to services that might not even directly, you know, um, be doing business with CenturyLink or be engaged with CenturyLink, we're also impacted, right? Absolutely. And, and, yeah, that's kind of didn't the, need to have been a customer or a direct peer of them in order to have been impacted. In fact, there were many folks who um, were impacted, even if like it could have been multiple degrees away. And, right, right. and yeah. And I think the, the term impact also depends on like from where your users are, where they're coming from and what, you know, segment of those users were affected because yeah. a, a major transit provider had an outage. But yeah. Right. So, you know, talking a little bit about um, the RCA that CenturyLink had put out and hopefully over the next few days, we get kind of a more detailed um, output from them. But as of now, the root cause of this issue, um, as I stated, as you can see here, is, is an offending flow spec announcement that prevented um, BGP from establishing um, correctly. Yeah, right? that's right. And then just for context, flow spec is basically an extension um, to BGP. 
and it operates similarly to like um, ACLs um, or, or ACLs um, it, from the standpoint of it kind of like being a, a set of rules like firewall rules um, but the difference between um, between them and and flow spec is that flow spec is dynamic um, which is one of the reasons why it could be very powerful, but also very dangerous in terms of its implication um, if something goes wrong. Right, and you know, um, we were we were talking to uh, somebody from our um, ops team earlier today, and we were talking of discussing how dangerous um, this extension could be just because of you know what it triggered. And he was passionately supporting what um, a great extension uh, FlowSpec is, um, and and to kind of you know. Um, understand that it's important to like i guess like think through why flow spec came into being right and historically um flow spec came in uh, to be able to push updates um quickly into multiple routers that that you might own and has been um associated to do these you know changes when there was kind of some kind of a ddos attack or or you know some kind of security um, attack so Right now, fast forward 10, 15 years, uh, we have all sorts of automation orchestration in place. So it really questions if something like um, FlowSpec is going to be useful or not. Um, but that's uh, not the main topic of this conversation. <laughs> but it turns out that this protocol that was you know, kind of formed and built um, years ago to be able to push these rules broadly across routers um, uh, resulted in this this really catastrophic um, event. Um, and to your Angelique, one of the things that you mentioned is that like it works as an ACL, right? And I think while well, the charm is that it works as an ACL and it can filter out, the fact that that update is so dynamic um, and then it triggers as you get, a, and it's associated with BGP. So if you, you know, get a BGP announcement, say for instance, with the flow spec in there, um, that can trigger the ACL and we'll, we'll see what that can do uh, because that's kind of what happened in this incident. Right, so they basically said that this uh, flow spec basically shut down BGP. So it would have terminated um, existing BGP sessions and the implication of that is that, um, as, as others have pointed out, is that once that happens and um, you know BGP is shut down, when the routers attempt to reestablish connections, that they are will have been sending out a lot of um, BGP updates, and we'll take a look at at kind of what that meant in terms of, of users of their service. And, and one of the things that I think this was um, Cloudflare that called out as, as witnessed through route views as well, around the beginning of the outage at 10 UTC, um, 6 a.m. Eastern, the, uh, the size of BGP updates that were, you know, um, seen from level three was kind of, um, I don't know how big they were, but they were pretty big than what a regular um, BGP announcement would look like. So. Yeah. Um, something to do with like uh, flow spec and and the number of updates that were going on across all their peers. Um, I think kind of well. So so you know like 
yes, the, the sessions were, were terminated because of flow spec, but in trying to reestablish them, they're making, they have, they're basically like redoing the announcements. And then once their peers receive these announcements, they're propagating them across their peers and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so it has this cascading impact. It's not just level three's updates. It's all of the consequent um, or subsequent updates that need to be made. So it really has this cascading impact. And yeah. It was like a 10x something the number of, of announcements that are um, then what then is what is typically seen and but was interesting was that it kind of had a tail off effect which really did kind of align with um, some of the de-peering that was done as the outage just continued so after like two three four hours some of their major peers at that point um, just you know shut down their their um, peering uh, with them and so they were no longer propagating out routes which was probably one of the reasons why it it went down right. it, even it during the them, it did give them some time to stabilize because they were not like catering and like you know um, trying to honor all those updates that was um, coming in which was kind of jamming um, CenturyLink's uh, control plane and, and network All right. Um, with that, um, think yeah. jump right into what thousand I saw um, in yeah. terms of you know how this outage kind of unfolded um, for us. So let me pull that up. All right. So this is sort of like the aggregate view across um, a, just the huge number of tests that are run. Um, you know, from our vantage points. And so, you know, at precisely at the um, start of the outage, so this was 10 a.m. UTC, we see a really significant increase in uh, terminal um, uh, interfaces. And so this is basically where level three is just completely dropping traffic, right, yeah. at, the, at these particular points. What's interesting is that even though this had a global impact, a lot of what we're seeing um, kind of seemed to initially start um, kind of on the West Coast. Um, this, you know, 10 a.m. UTC is 3 a.m. Pacific time, Pacific, yep. which and 6 a.m. Eastern time. And again, this is Sunday. So it almost seems like this may be potentially, and we don't know yet, we're still waiting on details, but um, could this have been part of some maintenance event where they're making changes to their network? Could it have been because they were responding to a DDoS attack, which is you know, one of the ways FlowSpec has been used? We just don't know, but the timing is kind of, um, does align with you know, when you might wanna make changes to your network such that they didn't impact users. So be interesting to see if we get more details on this if that is in fact the case if they tried to make some benign updates and then just kind of you know it triggered go uh, as, as they had planned yeah right right no totally um because if we actually look into um you know another um snapshot in here um as it's loading up, uh, one of the triggers that, or or the initial first set of you know, signatures that we kind of saw um, in this with, with respect to this outage, and what you're looking at here is um, you know BGP um, path changes to be very specific to um, to actually our our own um, applications prefix here, which again 
like a lot of services that were impacted. Um, Cloudflare, uh, we saw some Google services get impacted. Uh, we saw a variety of like consumer services like OpenTable or GoToMeeting and, you know, I, I, if we could just keep naming names is basically shut down half the internet um, yesterday. Uh, we were also um, a victim of um, that particular outage because we do rely on um, CenturyLink as, as you know, uh, one of our dear one um, ISPs. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, going to that exact time frame, um, just expanding this a little bit in here around again 10 o'clock um, UTC, we start yeah. seeing this. Um, well, this is the first, this is the beginnings of it, you know, so this is, you know, this was clearly a control plane issue. And from an external standpoint, this is like the first manifestation of it, which is they, they like, it kind of looks like, um, you know, they were suddenly like there was a lot of route flopping and they were sending out announcements, they were revoking announcements. Um, and so it was going a little bit haywire from a, um, Kind of a, a BGP route perspective, right? Free. Right, and and the RCA, which is flow spec, kind of hindering BGP sessions, um, and then like you know, or bringing down BGP sessions, and and having those peers come back up and trying to reestablish is is probably what we're seeing here with a lot of like route withdrawals or like you know reestablishing like you know um, peering with um, other providers and 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 announcements going out, yeah. yeah. So if we go um, across in here from a timeline perspective, um, just to see what these different updates look like and kind of also give you a flavor of, um, you know, um, what what can enterprises do to be able to, you know, work around or bypass, you know, some something like this, right, uh, is, is what we're going to see next. We see if we're bringing out the right um, timeline. So actually, this is this is interesting, right? Like you know, 15 minutes after 10 o'clock, we see that there's some kind of stability with respect to um, level three and and the peering um, the, the routes that it's established with its with its peers. And, and yet, and yet, during this same period of time, they're like um they're they're dropping traffic so so they're announcing routes and then they're black holing traffic and this is kind of the the behavior that was across the board across all of their customers and any peers that were impacted so you know the the announcements were one thing but even mm -hmm. once the announcements had stabilized it wasn't good because they were dropping traffic they were announcing um and so we'll talk a little bit about kind of some peering changes that were made and what was so kind of um, really, really unusual about this incident is that there was, um, there was really nothing that their customers could do to route around the issue because of, uh, because of the nature of this outage and the fact that level three was effectively um, advertising zombie routes. They were, they were like, they were basically, I feel like, unable to honor any updates that were coming in from their um, peers or from enterprises, um, you know, that were, that were essentially saying um, or trying to withdraw routes. But level three is control plane central link uh, probably was so um, jammed because of, you know, what was going on that they were really unable to like do anything there. So they yeah. continued to um, kind of advertise um, the older routes, 
which didn't really serve the purpose of, you know, trying to bypass or go around. The- right, right. Anytime you have an outage like this, you know, you're thinking, okay, I can maybe change my advertisements and that will fix it. But to your point, their control plane was broken. And so um, there was a lot of folks who were, were revoking advertisements to level three and level three was, you know, call it what you will, hijacking whatever. They were um, continuing to advertise those routes independently, um, which, we'll, um, which we'll see here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Angelique, uh, just, just to call attention to, it, to the timeline here, right? Like the first type mm-hmm. of triggers that we saw was in around 10 o'clock in line with um, the RCA and what everybody has seen. The start of the incident, yeah out of the incident and the second like you know peak that we see here is around 10:45, right and there and, and to your point like there are a couple of things that happening here right now so yeah so so some of the path changes here are influenced by um level three just kind of doing their own thing on their own and some of them are um influenced by uh ourselves in this case. So, so here, you know, we're basically um, have at this point in time have revoked uh, uh, announcement of our prefixes to level three and at the same time have established a a peering relationship and have uh, started advertising through Cogent as, as the secondary provider here. Right. Um, and, and, you know, even before the outage, like what this looked like is have we having two upstreams, one at Zio and the other one is level three. And then because of level three issues, we kind of withdraw from level three and then start peering with, with Cogent. Yeah. Um, and, and two you know, important things were, were done at this time, um, which I think it is important to point out and um, is one of the takeaways here, which is there were certain things in this outage that were completely uncontrollable from the standpoint of their customers and enterprises. The fact that their routes were still being hijacked and they weren't valid is one thing. Um, but you, when you consider asymmetric routing, and if you have Um, Even if you can't control the advertisement of your prefixes, you can control who you're sending traffic to. And if you know one of those providers is severely incapacitated, you don't want to be sending them traffic because it's just going to get dropped. So in this particular instance, with this update, one, the prefixes were revoked to level three, announcing our own prefix, um, but also it uh, we're not accepting inbound traffic yeah. from uh, CenturyLink. And that's really important because then that prevented us um, from, you know, we're basically not sending them any more traffic. And so, you know, if something comes through from, say, Zayo or from Cogent, it will um, come out, it will, it will uh, go out that that way as well. Right, right. And the way it manifested, um, and sometimes what you see from a service point of view is like, it might seem like, say, for instance, another provider is dropping because you're kind of seeing the path only one way. Yeah. Um, but traffic traffic actually being dropped at CenturyLink in the reverse route. So right. I think right. I think that was kind of yeah. Just because it's coming in under Zayo and for example, and um, you know, and you're expecting them to work doesn't mean that it's necessarily going out the same by the, through the same provider. And so yeah. you have to understand that you can, you know, in this instance, you could have controlled the outbound traffic. That's always in your control. Inbound, yeah. you can influence. Um, okay. 
but you can't, you know, a hundred percent control, but outbound you have complete control over that. And so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. I think the other interesting thing here, um, you know, um, as we were like walking through this earlier today is, is to kind of, um, get that, you know, um, another validation that level three was not ceasing to send, um, you know, updates, right? Uh, because here we're seeing 23 routes, say for instance, exam this example, like we are established with Cogent and this is a completely new peering relationship that we triggered because of um, level three's um, outage. However, those same 23 routes, we see them um, through level three's network as well, which, you know, if, if the withdrawals had gone um, as expected, we shouldn't have seen this. We sure. should have seen, right, like, you know, the- We should have seen the same number of, of kind of uh, paths mm -hmm. or same number of routes um, before and after, um, but that's not the case here. So, you know, the, during these periods in which they were doing their re-announcements, they were just basically kind of, the, the number of, of routes would go up. Right. And, and it would kind of, uh, it would kind of return to lower levels um, throughout this incident. So, yeah. So this was one type of like, you know, looping situation. We saw like level three um, do this, you know, route withdrawals, establishment at 10 o'clock, then around 10.45, we see this. At 10.45, we also see a new connection established through um, Cogent from our end. Um, and as we just like walk through this um, timeline a little bit, we kind of see, um, you know, some semblance of stability here, right? We see again, level three back to um, peering with its um, with the other ISPs. So it almost feels like there's a pattern here in terms of um, there is some instability. And then in the next interval, level three seems like it's established peering. Then again, you know, um, the other interval, it withdraws its its BGP routes and then it, it withdraws. Like it's going through these cycles where it's just like it's it's announcing uh, the routes and then it will go where it like will revoke um, right. the announcements and then reestablish them and it, it's going in these cycles. Now the, this is just from a from a control plane standpoint or a routing standpoint the effectively through the duration of the outage like they were just dropping traffic so it was independent of any of kind of the announcements and even the route flapping right, right? so it wasn't like the route flapping was causing the the, the traffic loss even when they were not route flopping <laughs> they were still dropping traffic right right um you know um one of the interesting updates as the outage was you know um happening was was this um Twitter uh, info that we saw from Telia, one of um, you know level three's peers, that almost four hours into the outage, like around 10 a.m. Eastern, um, announced that they were asked to de-peer from CenturyLink, and um, when the outage cleared itself, which was around um, 11 a.m. Um, Eastern, so that's five hours into the outage, uh, Telia sent out another message saying that you know they've been asked to prepare because the outage has um you know basically it's it's done and things are stable now yeah. we saw that here from another provider um entity right yeah like and your, they did it earlier too i mean yeah. this was like three hours into the incident it's sort of interesting yeah. that telia said that they had to be asked to 
um, too deep here, um, where, you know, one, one has to wonder, like, is that the kind of the right order, you know, <laughs> should, should you need to be, wait to be asked or should there have been some proactive deep hearing in order to prevent some impact to their customers? Um, so in the case, you know, of NTT here, we can see that about three hours into the incident that they, um, you know, effectively rather than peering with, um, with level three, they've begun to peer with, um, with cogent. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that may in fact have addressed some, some issues for, for their customers anyway. Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting from the BGP standpoint is sort of a question around, okay, so you know, like we mentioned earlier is that what CenturyLink was effectively doing by advertising routes that were revoked by their customers, like, like we had done here, you know, you could almost kind of think of that as like route hijacking and now they didn't hijack routes, but effectively that's what was happening. In a route hijacking scenario, one of the tools at your disposal in order to kind of mitigate the, the attacker, whether, you know, or maybe attacker or even just like benign, you know, uh, configuration mistake that might be causing this is to advertise a more specific prefix. And that would then um, be preferred as kind of the shorter path to your service. And then, you know, you could basically steer traffic around the issue. Um, that would require a few different uh, things. You, you have to have, um, you know, you, you have to have that option available to you. Like if you only have a slash 24, that's not gonna be necessarily uh, a good idea because yeah. yeah, splitting that into slash 25s might not be the best. Um, there's maybe some debate on that. But for example, if you're like Cloudflare and you advertise a slash 20, if you start advertising a slash 21, that could potentially address the issue. Although we didn't see them make that change. And one has to wonder maybe because they're in any cast service, if it was determined that doing that would have had, um, you know, unforeseen or negative consequences in terms yeah. of how traffic was just, uh, was getting routed and then how much traffic was hitting each of their individual locations and resources. Right, right. So a lot to consider. Right, and also there was this other, um, you know, question on would like, if we had just shut the interface to CenturyLink, right, like you know, physically terminated the interface, um, which was also done, would there have been like any impact? And, and no, not in this particular case, because it was really beyond the enterprise's control. Like there was no way you could um, twist CenturyLink's hand in this particular case to stop advertising the app, right? Like, um, setting any type of um, BGP strings or trying to influence that. You mean like a no export? export I mean, the control plane was broken. They weren't even kind of really like, taking in any new kind of, yeah, announcement changes. So, um, but that's really just from an out, from a kind of an external announcement standpoint. Again, you can, you can control who you're sending traffic to. Fully. Right. And, and we we did see some cases where you know a few services were able to recover fast enough, um, but a few others did not. Like for instance, um, I think this was GoToMeeting. I'm trying to yeah, I think this was GoToMeeting uh, where we were able to. They seem to have a a, a they fared 
better, it seemed, during uh, the incident than, for example, just, you know, for comparative purposes, OpenTable. Um, and there could be a few different reasons for that. Um, we can talk a little bit about what happened with them and the fact that, um, you know, without them doing anything really different, they, they were able to avoid some of the, um, you know, high level of damage. Right. Um, and so and let's just maybe look at open table first and see how they experienced it. And then we can go to go to go to meeting. Yeah, that makes sense. So what we're looking at here is um, trying to access opentable.com from, you know, a few um, global locations here. And again, right at 10 a.m. Um, UTC, we start seeing issues. Um, again, this is, you know, level three, um, trying you know, significant packet drops in here. And this is across the board, right? Like all locations that it's going through level three is, is impacted. And this, as you can see from the timeline here, um, this lasted pretty much till like um, 1425. So till actually when the service came back up. Yeah. yeah. Like, so they, they basically were impacted for the duration of the incident. Right. And the way they recovered is is truly just like completely bypass um, level three. And also this is the point in time where any kind of, you know, route advertisements or like, you know, uh, PGP related pushes that, you know, the enterprise has done were actually being honored. honored. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense that so, was so much. I mean, they, they, it, so they took some mediation action when they should have, but it's just that because of the, how this outage unfolded and that CenturyLink wasn't honoring those, they didn't actually like get implemented until like the end of this uh, this incident. Right, right. Um, now, this is, yeah. go ahead. Well, so this is this is now go to meeting, and and again, like this is an enterprise that in many ways did like OpenTable did all the right things that they should have done. Um, but they had a very different experience of the outage than, than open tables. Right, right. And just from a service, um, you know, view, if, if we look at this here and we're looking at, you know, packet loss, end-to-end -end packet loss in the network, um, we do start seeing um, the impact of the outage here right around um, 10 o'clock, right? So around 10.04, we're starting to see packet drops across basically all networks. And, and the reason you're seeing this across all networks is because um, the next hop or the upstream from- The, the interface, the connected next interface is level three. Level three. Right. So it's the peering interface, yeah. And it's the peering, so it's kind of the penultimate node where you're kind of yep. seeing the drops. And and the reason is because um, go to meeting that's hosted in um, you know that Citrix's um, product basically has just one upstream provider, which is Level Three. And so when Level Three goes down, you know everybody well, else one active one active. Oh, that's fair. A service provider, which is interesting because we usually see the typical architecture is that you have two two service providers and you use them in like an active active mode where you're load balancing across them and then if there's an issue then you know it's just the other one will just either carry the load or even in some instances we see you might have an active active config and then one passive um even as a right. back you could have kind of a variety of things i don't That's see kind of what we saw in our yeah. we had right. active active with zayo and level three and yeah. was kind of the backup 
Yeah, uh, but don't see active passive too much, but but that's what we see here. Right. So was this right here? Yeah, so this is, um, I think this is about 15 minutes, like around 15 minutes into the outage, uh, we start seeing um, Citrix establish, uh, you know, uh, a more the active hearing with GTT, kind of completely withdrawing um, from level three. Yeah. And the impact of that is, is kind of seen, um, you know, if we look at it here like this 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 packet drops really just lasted for like what 20 minutes uh and the recovery to the service is 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 back up right um obviously if you are connecting from century link itself you're still going to see uh some kind of um, issues because your your vantage point is within CenturyLink's network, and um, you know you're kind of going to see uh, drops there. That's inevitable. But even yeah. these were able to um, course correct, and we started seeing availability to the service uh, come back up pretty quickly here. Right, and that immediate spike after all of those announcement changes, whether by um, whether in like now announcing through GTT, and then maybe route. Uh, or level three making additional whatever zombie announcements that would have created that would have been almost kind of like a little flapping of because the routes are changing um and so that could have also contributed to that kind of immediate spike in packet loss um as as like routes were converging um so but what's kind of interesting if you go back to the bgp route visualization um you can see that so um, even after they kind of made this change, like level three never goes away. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like because they're still advertising, right? Like even though you know um, the intent with bringing GTT online was to just use them as a service, like level three is like, nope, we're not going away. But yet we see we see that there's not a lot of um, uh, packet loss, and level three is not really um, kind of. Main kind of in the in as many paths as they were prior to GTT's introduction, and right. what's particularly interesting about that is that you know the fact that GTT is so densely peered may have been the reason why um, they were just simply preferred as a path to um, to Citrix, even though level three was still in the mix, like they were still advertising, but GTT pops in, they have more peers, they, you know, um, so then maybe providers at that point may have just simply been preferring GTT and there were just more paths available through that provider. And that's more of the luck of the draw, right? Because with OpenTable, um, their level three, they were using level three and they were using Zayo, right? And um, Zayo is kind of considered a lower tier provider than level three. And so because level three was still advertising, a lot of folks may still have been sending them, may have been preferring that path. Right, it really just depends who your um, backup is and how densely peered they are and um, you know, um, how, how well used uh, they are as well. And again, to your point, like if this had been say Zayo or some other smaller um, ISP in here, we might've not seen this, yeah. this level of recovery, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and that's kind of, you know, that's almost like just luck because, you know, it could be, you, you may think, okay, well, I need like, you know, a higher tier backup, um, 
well, I mean, it could have it could have gone either way. Like you could have had GTT go down, you know, go down, and you know they were the problem, and then you you were getting all of your traffic sent to GTT, and there was the issue. Right, so right. Um, that's that's just how internet routing in the wild works. So yeah, so a lot of things that you know um, happened in the course of five hours, um, and I mean, I can't even imagine what kind of day it was for level three um, ops team. Their customers, <laughs> their customers. Yeah, yeah, definitely their customers. Um, and then, yeah, I think we were talking about this earlier. The only silver lining truly is that it happened on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if it had happened during a weekday, kind of uh, uh, the impact we would have seen uh, would have been really, really catastrophic, more catastrophic than what it actually turned out to be. Absolutely. So, okay. So lessons learned. Um, what uh, can we yeah, we have uh, some interesting, I mean, we, we discussed it, but some good takeaways and, and, you know, for, for enterprises, uh, for providers, uh, yeah, you want to kick that off? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that's interesting, um, that we, you know, we, we kind of went over, uh, at the very top of the, the show is the, the root cause analysis or the statement that uh, was put out by CenturyLink is is pretty basic. And in fact, during the course of the incident, I think it was in, until, I mean, we're talking hours into the incident in which there was any kind of public statement made by CenturyLink. And so if you're one of their customers, you don't know what's going on, um, you know, and, and you're not getting any kind of quick communication. So it's important to have kind of just, um, you know, more transparency perhaps from service providers, um, like we see a lot from cloud providers and from providers like Cloudflare, you know, being more open with um, customers as to what's going on and being uh, quick to communicate, I think is um, something that perhaps enterprises can uh, push more with their service provider. One right. way to do that, of course, is to keep them um, honest with, in, you know, just independent information um, and visibility into how they're working. Um, and I think the, the you know uh, one of the things that we were talking about earlier was also how uh, the first line of support when it comes to these service providers, like, like filing and opening a ticket, for instance, um, and the first line of support is not necessarily aware of the exact details of what's happening in the knock. For for instance, like they're aware of a problem and they're going to tell you, yeah, we are aware of a problem. We are working on it, but there's really no more detail. That can tell you scope. Um, if there's like you know, a really or, specific thing that you could be doing, you know, it's not. It's just not going to come. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So in terms of uh, transparency, um, you know, and keeping providers and and. In a lot of cases, when you're dealing with ISPs and when you're dealing with service providers, um, enterprises have to go through this this need to prove innocence or like need to kind of establish that, hey, there is something going on, right? I mean, we are not like trying to push the ball um, on you and blame you, but there is seriously something that's going on. So I think like the general need for you know being aware of this is is going to help like both. I, I see the see see take a look at this as, you know, um, everybody coming to the table, trying to solve the issue together rather than placing blame or, you know, right. pushing it on somebody's, uh, uh, you know, uh, problem state and making it somebody else's problem statement, right? It's really about how much can we collaborate to kind of 
help you understand scope and also resolve the issue. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, I think another takeaway is really understanding that, you know, at the end of the day, internet routing is somewhat uncontrolled and unpredictable and also um, contextual. You know, it depends on where your users are sitting, which path they're gonna take to your service. You can't always control that. You can't control like who peers with who and how that changes at any given time. Um, and so, you know, just be aware of that and understand, you know, somewhat, um, you know, at least a few degrees away from you, what your kind of dependencies are. And, and also, you know, from that standpoint, um, you know, like from an outbound standpoint and, and the, in terms of like advertising or routes to your service, like that's something you can influence, but you can't 100% control, um, but you can control where you send traffic to. So making some of those changes locally could have helped to um, mitigate some of the impact of this. And then, um, the other thing is also kind of just understanding outages in context is really important because as we mentioned earlier, like, you know, this timing is everything. If this had happened during the weekday, um, you know, I think that the the impact on, on services and, you know, the financial impact for a lot of enterprises would have been far greater. Um, so, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, how you evaluate your service providers from that standpoint is also um, something to keep in mind. Yeah, totally. Um, it's definitely been um, learning for us. I mean, as we've been kind of, you know, peeling through these outages over the last few years. Um, so these really large outages, like actually do surprises in terms of, you know, what else could go wrong, right? Like, um, I mean, we were like, yeah, I think we understand everything that could go wrong with BGP updates, but nope, not really. Like, no. um, you know, in this particular case, flow spec as, as a feature, as BGP extension is actually a really um, useful and, and you know, um, valid protocol that a lot of service providers still use, but it's kind of really unfortunate how um, it, it kind of manifested in this case. Uh, uh, be that because of you know misconfiguration, whatever the reason might be, and how it actually came to happen, we don't right, still right. know. But it's like another yet another new thing that could you know go wrong with um, BGP. Oh. Yes, uh, so you know, uh, really interesting, and and we'll have more. We'll kind of get into the nitty gritty of this in a little bit more depth um, than even you know uh, the show um, on our blog. So be sure to check that out. And you know, if you're sort of interested in how it might have impacted your services, you know, um, because it again, like it it manifested differently for everybody. You know. Um, uh, let us know, drop us a note, you know, um, we'd be happy to chat about what you saw, you know, what you experienced. Uh, if you have any questions, um, happy to take a look. So yeah, and if you were somebody in the ops team who was struggling to, you know, kind of um, make this all go away. Um, and if there was something different that you tried uh, that worked for you or didn't work for you, it doesn't matter. Um, let us know. It'd be great to kind of even have you on the show and uh, kind of educate the community uh, we're, we're on this together so that would be absolutely absolutely so with that we're going to close out the show 
Um, yep. As always, don't forget to subscribe. And if you do subscribe, we will send you a cool t-shirt, uh, working from home uh, shirt. Uh, be sure to send your, if you do subscribe, uh, drop an email to the internet report at thousandeyes.com. Give us your uh, address and your t-shirt size and we'll get that right over for you. And until next time. Yeah, have a great week.